Clap your hands. I love it. <laughs> wow, I took, that took me back. <laughs> that took me back. Well, um, one, I just want to, um, you know, just, just praise God for just an opportunity to come before you today. Um, and, uh, you know, for those of you that are joining us um, online, no, I'm not Pastor John. I'm not Pastor Michelle. Pastor Michelle looks better. Pastor John, well, he's just Pastor John. He's just cooler, right? Um, I am Marquise. Um, I'm a member of the teaching team here at Living Spring. Um, so I'm excited to bring you uh, the sermon today. Uh, as you know, over the last gosh, few, few weeks, um, we've been on the study of um, the organic life. And we, we've been really focused on the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, many pieces. Um, so we talked about love. We talked about joy. And today I'm going to talk about peace. And when you think of peace, many times we think of um, the peace sign um, and the flowers and everything being rosy. Or maybe you may think of, of a child sleeping. And I, and I know I hear you saying, ah, oh, right, a child sleeping and peaceful. But that child does wake up. And when they wake up, it's not quite as peaceful. <laughs> so um, sometimes we think that we find peace when we're resting or when we're sleeping. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants us to find peace. Um, peace as we live. And he wants us to live in peace and not just rest in it. Um, and before I really get into this, I just wanted to let you know, Pastor John did tell me I had two hours. I promised I wouldn't take two hours. I told him about an hour and 59 minutes, and then, you know, we're, we're ready to go. Um, so we're going to go back to the uh, foundational verses um, that we we're going. I won't go through all the verses in Galatians going back to Verse 16, but I'll start at uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 25, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So as I was preparing the sermon this week, I was praying and seeking God, and lo and behold, I happened to turn on the news or I watch a little social media, and I begin to realize, God, you have me talking about peace, but I'm struggling trying to find it myself. With all the things that's going on in the world, from, from, the, hate, from the Asian hate to the, the, the hate crimes that are going on, to the global pandemic that's, we're in or out, we're in or out, um, to us just going through our daily lives and dealing with financial instability, dealing with, um, you know, um, issues with our spouses or whatever we may be dealing with in our lives, and you want me to come before this people and talk to them about peace? I'm trying to find it myself. I drive my son to school, and I'm concerned for his safety as I drop him off. My wife drives to work every day, and I'm concerned about her safety as she's driving, as she's at work, because of all the things that are going on in our world. And you want me to find peace and find enough of it to be able to tell others about it. And I felt God's spirit encourage me and say, you know what? Lean in. Lean in. You need to get in prayer. I need you in my word. And you need to understand what peace is. So as I learned what peace is, so will you. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to really lay some foundation. So when we think of peace, our definition of peace in English or on the Western, in the Western culture is this, a condition of freedom or disturbance, freedom from disturbance, whether outward um, as of a nation from war, enemy, or inward as our current context or where we currently are, our current situation. 
Peace implies health, well-being, and prosperity. If you notice this definition of peace, it's conditional. If this, then I have peace. So it's all based on conditions. So now let's understand the biblical definition of peace. So um, the Hebrew definition of peace is the word shalom. And that was the word that would have been used in the Old Testament in referring to peace. And it's the inner sense of completeness and wholeness or full restoration of something that was lost or taken. Something being put back to its intended state. So we're going to talk a little bit about intended state. But now let's go to Irene. And this is the Greek word for peace. This is the word that would have been used in Galatians um, as it was being written. Irene means joining or binding together that which has been separated, making it whole, or as one again, inner rest, well-being, and harmony, right? So if you look at these two definitions in comparison to ours, these definitions are action. It's putting something together. It's restoring. It's not, it's not about where we are. It's being worked out. All right. So now we're going to put on our Marty McFly costume. We're going to get in our DeLorean, and we're going to go back in the time. We're going to go back to the very beginning. And when I say the very beginning, I mean the beginning of the Bible. So it says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So Genesis chapter 1 goes through all the creation that God had done, um, every piece, everything that he had put together. Then we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, is when he creates, or actually before that, he creates man. But this is a full account of it. And then in this full account, it just kind of talks about what he does, right? So between chapter, chapter 1, verse 27, all the way to chapter 1, verse 31, he provides specific instructions, right? He says, look, I made you, man, woman. Here's what I want you to do, and here's all that you have. But there's one thing I tell you not to do. You can have all this. This is what you're going to do, but don't do this one thing. Right. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, then it says, And God saw that all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So when God says, at his creation, it is very good. What he's saying is everything is as it intended to be. Everything is in its rightful place. Some people are really, really neat freaks, right? And so everything has to be in a certain place and set a certain way. And if anything's moved, you know about it. I'm sure we don't have anybody in here like that, right? Um, but God looked and saw everything was in his place. But not only was it in his proper place, it was fulfilling its proper purpose, right? Everything was as it intended to be. But oh, Genesis chapter 3. I will tell you, it's not my favorite book in the Bible, and there is a reason for that. It's the fall of mankind. Genesis chapter 3 is where disobedience, Adam takes a bite of the fruit. In disobedience to God, the one thing that God said not to do, he did. This disobedience led to sin, and that sin led to separation, disharmony, loss, and division, or division, meaning God had a vision of things, how things were intended to be, and now there was what 
happened after sin. So two visions, things were separated. So because of that separation, there was a need for shalom. There was a need for full restoration from that which was lost or taken from us in the garden. So God's original intended state, Genesis 1, sin entering Genesis 3, now we move forward and say, okay, because of this, we now need shalom. Before that, there was no need for peace because everything was as it needed to be. But God needed to put things back to their intended state. So now we fast forward to Isaiah. Once again, we're in the DeLorean, so follow me. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So this is Isaiah's foretelling or prophesying of the coming Savior, Jesus. So remember I told you, once sin entered, we needed shalom. Not only did we get shalom, we got a prince of shalom. We didn't just get any shalom because we got a prince of wholeness. We got a, we got a prince of completeness. We got a prince of full restoration to that which was lost or taken from its original context. We got a prince of putting things back together in its original intended state, in its God state. So now, I've walked you from the beginnings to Christ coming, right? So Christ came to the earth. He prepared for about 30 years. He did ministry for three years. Three is a significant number in the Bible in that three represents wholeness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It represents wholeness. So in the three years... He did wholly all the things that he needed to do. And then he hung on the cross. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Verse 51 says, And behold, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. So you're like, Marquise, what, what is this veil? So the veil is simple. The veil was a physical representation of our separation from God. So in the temple, there was the holy place, and on the other side of the veil was the holiest of holies where the Spirit of God dwelled. So this veil separated us from the presence of God, and there could only be one time a year where we can have atonement for our sins or someone can go in and make a sacrifice. Not just anyone. It had to be the high priest. So when Jesus died and gave up the ghost on the cross, that veil was torn from top to bottom. So that separation that was once there was no longer there. He fully restored back what was taken or was lost in the garden. So now Jesus is on the scene and he wrecks things. He's the prince of peace, but he's bring, he, he makes ruckus. He's the prince of peace, but he, call, he causes earth to shake when he dies on the cross. He's the prince of peace, but he brought separation. But separation from sin and us. But he brought us to God. So now, we get into Philippians. 
So Philippians is really the foundational verse that we're going to focus on today. But I thought it was so important that we understood the meaning of peace, the biblical peace, and the peace that we see as peace because sometimes we're asking for peace. God's giving it to us, but we don't even recognize he's giving it to us. So Philippians chapter 4, and we'll go from verse 4 to verse 7, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, I like to go scuba. In other words, I like to go deep into the word. So I started to do some research and word, you know, thoughts and, and, and just really dive in and look at the Greek and the Hebrew and, and Aramaic of the word anything and everything. And you know what I found that it meant? Anything and everything. <laughs> you can't go deep on anything and everything because it's anything and everything. So just remember, in anything... Do not be anxious in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. Go to God. So let's go back to our definition of peace, right? So peace is based on our current state. It's our current mental, physical condition. I have peace if I make six-figure income. Lord, if you could just get me those six figures, I'm, I'm close. Lord, if I, ooh, if I win the lottery, mm, I, ooh, that tithe, oh, no, no, tithe and offering. You do not have to worry. Just, just, just let me hit it. Like, like, look, I don't need even a hundred million. Just, just give me like, you know, a couple millions. I will find peace when I get married. Husbands, don't say anything because y'all going to get in trouble. I'll, I'll get in trouble for you. Marriage is not going to find you peace. Marriage, you will not find peace in marriage unless your spouse's name is peace. <laughs> My wife will tell you 20 times over, marrying to me is not going to bring, it did not bring her peace. It causes more conflicts because you have two people that are different that you bring together. So you're not going to find peace there. Or... If I, ooh, if I could just have that, that cute puppy, if I could just have that cute puppy, I will have peace because it, it says, you know, petting dogs just calms you. Well, that puppy, when you bring them home, they're going to be yelping and, and barking at all times of hours and disturbing your peaceful rest. They're going to be running throughout the house and biting and scratching and tearing up things and and they may just jump on your favorite recliner and, and rocking chair that, you know, and, and have a little accident on it. You know, the one that, that when people come over, that's your chair. They can sit anywhere else except for that chair. Oh, and if somebody sits there, you give them a little side eye because you're like, that, that's, that's my seat. They, they may just have an accident on it. And, and it may be so bad that, that you can't get rid of the smell as much as you try. So you have to get rid of it. I'm not speaking from experience at all. Not at all, just, just hypothetically. Or some of us are like, I will find peace when I pass from this life. To be absent from the body 
is to be present with God. I'm going to find my peace. Ooh, I can't wait to find my peace when I pass from this earth. Listen, listen, I can't, I can't wait to see the Savior either. But he doesn't want us just to rest in peace. He wants us to experience peace while we're here living. So you say, Marquise, all these things are going on in our world. All these things are happening in our world. How do I find peace? See, the problem is with the peace definition that we have in our English language, it causes us to think that we have to run away to find peace. We have to distract ourselves with things that make us happy for temporary relief to find peace. We think that we have to go to yoga, hot yoga, goat yoga, donkey yoga, whatever yoga, and say namaste to find peace. But God is saying, you don't need to say namaste to find peace. You can say, nah, I'm going to stay right here in the middle of this and find peace. I can stay right here in the middle of this situation, in this circumstance, and be able to find peace in it. Because in that circumstance, in that situation, is where God is doing his work. That's where he's pruning you. That's where he's shaping you and molding you and taking you back to that original state that he had called for you. So you say, how do we live in peace? What do you mean, like living in peace? Like, I don't get that concept. So one, we have to know that the Lord is near. Galatians chapter 4, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Be gentle in spirit to everyone. The Lord is near. So we have to recognize that he is near. We can't forget it. No matter what we're going through, when we're going through it, he's near. Don't try to do it on your own. I know we have some Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It in here, right? I, I can do it. I can fix this. <laughs> I got this. This is nothing. Remember, it says, do not be anxious for anything but in everything. And we all know what everything means now. So don't try to do it on your own. It says, then go to the Lord, right? Go to him. It's great that you know he's near. You're like, yeah, I see you over there, Jesus. I got this, though. No, you, just, you, you can sit down. You can ride in the passenger seat. I, I got this today. No, you have to go to him. Recognize who he is. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, with pleading and thanksgiving. Recognizing who you're going to. You're going to the Prince of Peace. You're going to the Savior. So you go there with thanksgiving, and you tell him what you need. It says, make your request known to the Father. And then after you do that, let's talk about what happens. In Luke chapter 8, verse 28, 24, sorry, the disciples are in this boat. And as you, and many of you know, some of the disciples were fishermen. So they're in this boat, and, and there's a storm that comes up. So as fishermen, they know that storms are going to happen. Storms are going to occur, right? They're used to that. But this one must have been pretty bad because they were freaking out. They were afraid. And they go 
to Jesus. They know he's in the next room sleeping. So they go and wake him up. So Jesus gets woke. He gets waking up so he can do something. And when they go to him, they know who he is and recognize it because they say, Savior, or Master, Master, or Teacher, Teacher. We're going to perish. They tell him what they need. They don't say, save us. But they say, we're going to perish. He knows that's code for help. We can be more specific in our lives, but sometimes that's all we can say. Help. I'm perishing. This is too much. I can't take this anymore. And then when we do that, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped and became calm. He calmed the storm. However, I want you to be mindful of this. In that situation, in some of our situations, he will calm the storms that we're in. But more often than not, he will calm us in the storm. He will say to our spirit, peace, be still. He will say to our spirit, be still and know that I am God. Because he wants to do that work in you and through you. And look, it's not peace that surpasses all understanding if he takes away all the circumstances. Anybody could be at peace when there's nothing to be concerned or anxious about. If it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, we have to be able to have peace in the middle of that storm. So when people look at our lives, they can say, God is moving in that person's life. Like, how are you keeping it all together with all these things going on around you? Personally, in the world, with everything that's going on, how do you keep yourself at peace? That's when we can be a witness and say, not I, but my God. I don't have anything against yoga, just so y'all know. I, I do like yoga. I do like yoga. But we can't be distracted. We can't allow things to distract us and take on temporary peace. We have to make sure that we are in what God has called us to be in. And if he removes it, praise God, he removes it. But we can't allow different things to distract us or, or look at that as the answer to us finding peace because we will never find true peace in that. When we look for peace that distracts us, we're walking in our English definition of peace. But God wants us to walk in shalom. He wants us to walk in Irene, where our peace is being worked out day by day and day and day after day. It says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I told you, I like to go deep. And I promise, I told my wife, I'm not going to go scuba today. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a snorkel, snorkel. I'm not going to go scuba. So the word guard in this section of scripture is the Greek word, phureo. And that means watcher in advance of. It means to mount guards or spies at the gate to protect. It means to protect with a garrison or a brigade or a troop. So catch this. You, you, you have to get this. 
when we go to God, when we turn it all over to him, he puts a troop, a garrison around our hearts and our minds to guard us. He sees everything that's coming our way, and it's there to protect us. He didn't say a bodyguard. It didn't say, like, we're going to call the National Guard, and you're going to have, like, you know, you know, the Secret Service around you as you walk, right? You're like, why? I mean, you know, my heart and mind is cool, but, you know, I'm more concerned about my physical body, right? Simple. Because our heart and mind is where the battle happens every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 4 says, For we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war or battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and arrogance Raised against the knowledge of God, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if you recall, the very thing that allowed sin into the world was disobedience. So if we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, meaning our mind and our hearts are being made right and put in their intended state, just how God had created us for. But the problem is, is that although we have this fortress and although we have these guards guarding our hearts and minds, you know what we do? We look at social media. Hmm. Oh, ooh. We look at the news. We think our enemy is our boss. Oh, they're, they're, that person's evil. I have no, I'm not saying they're not. <laughs> but that's not your enemy. Your spouse. Sometimes the spouse is our enemy. Sometimes it's the kids. Right? Young and adult, because I found that once they become adults, sometimes it becomes even harder. That darn Democrat or Republican, your neighbor is not your enemy. And even that crazy troll on social media is not your enemy. Here's what happens. We allow these things and these physical people or forces to cause us to react. Your thought is, ooh, just wait till I tell that person. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. But you know what's happening? They're stealing that very thing the enemy is using to steal peace from your mind. So as we're, you know, oh, let, me, let me reply back to this one because, oh, I can't believe they said that. Allowing ourselves to get outraged and filled with emotion. And as you're doing that, it's allowing the enemy to come in because... That peace that surpasses all understanding, we're like, let me get outside of that. I don't need that. Oh, uh, hold on. God, I can't see the post because your peace that surpasses all understanding is in the way of my mind. I, I need to see this post because I know they're going to say something crazy that I got to react to. But God is saying, that's not your enemy. 
Stop trying to give people a piece of your mind and keep your mind at peace. So as the worship team returns, I want to make sure that we as a congregation um, really have an understanding of what this, this peace is that surpasses all understanding. And I want to make sure that we spend some time with, with God and really, really seeking him to show us those things that are battling against the peace that he's trying to provide us. So as the worship team plays, what, what, what I would love for us to do is take a few moments to really reflect on God, asking him to show us how to have that peace that surpasses all understanding and what those very things are in our lives that we're allowing to steal our peace. It's difficult because there's a lot going on. But if we understand the Bible definition of peace is different from our definition of peace, then we recognize that God is answering our prayer, not by taking things away, but giving us peace in the middle of it. We're like, God, you you didn't answer my prayer. Like, why am I still going through this? I asked you to take it away. I asked you to give me peace. And he's like, I am. You just got to receive it while you're in the middle of it. You still haven't gone crazy. You still haven't lost your mind. All is still well with you. In spite of what you're going through. So let's pray, close our eyes, and just seek God right now, and then I'll come back up um, for the closing. There's this uh, these terms that we use, it's called lost in translation. And when it comes to peace, it's been lost in translation. The communication that we give to God and we're expecting back from Him is lost in translation. So I pray that today that God has allowed me through him to bring you shalom and to bring you Irene, connecting and binding peace that surpasses all understanding. So if you will stand, we'll give the blessing and go to our places. Father God, we thank you for uh, coming down in a human suit and being that Prince of Peace. As we leave this place today, we ask that you would allow us to have that peace that surpasses all understanding, day by day by day, that it will be renewed daily. Bless us as we go out. Keep us in guidance. Amen. Amen.